Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show. I'm Andy Peck, your host. Great to have you back, whether this is a Sunday afternoon for you or via a podcast, it's great to have you along. Every now and again, it's good to get back to basics and ask, what are we doing in Christian leadership or even what makes our leadership Christian at all? Well, I'm joined this week by a man who's known leadership in the church, the charity and indeed the business world. His name is Stephen Maxted and he's currently executive director of the Message Works Trust and acts as a consultant to a wide range of charities and Christian organisations. He has served in church leadership, including as a pastor, and was responsible for the management of Spring Harvest in 1980-85, best known, of course, for its gatherings at Easter time. So welcome, Stephen, to the Leadership Farm. Thank you, Andy. You have a a rich uh, CV of varying uh, elements to it. I mean, looking back, what areas of ministry have you enjoyed most? That's a very difficult one. Um, There there are some significant things and some of them seem fairly mundane, but I can remember in the spring harvest days um, thinking, goodness, what am I doing? I'm just pushing a pen around. Um, And then sitting on the grass, uh, looking across at the uh, big top at Prostatin and seeing people walking across the playing field, going to an afternoon seminar and thought, wow, people are here doing business with God and that that sense of you know God speaking to me the revelation that pushing a pen around could actually be something that helped people grow in their faith um, was a great moment that I will remember um, helping people finding uh, God's help as I've been counseling people at various points um, sometimes preaching all sorts of different things there, there are been as you say a wide variety and it's had a richness about it and at every stage somehow I've managed to find things that I've enjoyed that have had that sense of uh, God's help in them. Great great Stephen as we look at leadership I believe you you see our understanding of leadership hinges in the kind of God uh, we believe in and the role we play in serving him now that's a big question but in in a few minutes in our conversation perhaps you could kind of unpack some of the elements of that yeah, it is a big question. Um, and again, it's, it's something I, I've sat in churches uh, where I've been a guest and listened to somebody sharing something and I thought, oh, help, how on earth can you say that? Um, I also remember a conversation that I was having on a cross-channel high-speed ferry. Uh, my wife and I some years ago were uh, going to France for a half-term holiday got our youngest son with us and my nephew's about the same age uh, and we were taking the two boys away for half term week and as we we sat on the ferry in one of those sort of semicircular bench seats a christian couple and we didn't know at the time that they were a christian couple sat down next to us for the um 30 minutes or so at the crossing and as we got talking they started speaking about uh, their son who had died of leukemia um, a few years before who would have been about the same age as the two boys that I got with me my my son and my nephew and as they talked they were saying things like well God knows best God knows what he was doing and again I ended up scratching my head saying how on earth can you say that? Now, 
I bit my tongue because to have launched into a conversation with people that I didn't know um, about the character of God at that point would have been entirely inappropriate. But somehow in their experience, they had encountered people in pastoral leadership who had encouraged them in thinking that God was somebody who, for higher reasons known only to him, would take a 12 or 13-year-old boy out of their lives with all the pain that that involved and that sense of who is God what is he like um, so much is at the center of the way in which people operate I think it's a question that we need to ask what is God like now um, it's not just at local church level that you get that sort of thing coming forward. Um, there's a very famous international Bible preacher who, back in 2011, tweeted, the throw of every dice in Reno is governed by God, brackets Proverbs 16.33, how much more the details of his children's lives. Now, Proverbs says in the verse that this person quoted, the lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. The Bible's referring to the Urim and Thummim, which were given to the high priest to understand the will of God in a particular matter. Now, I can't see that there's any implication that this means that everything that happens is micromanaged by God. Um, so who is the God that we worship? What is he like? Is he the Godfather of Reno? Or is he somehow Father God who's revealed in Christ? And that seems to me to be a fundamental question that lots of evangelicals don't ask and yet is at the foundation of the way in which we lead, we pastor, and the way in which we work as leaders. Yeah. And if you assume everything is as you say, predetermined by God or ordained by God, then our, the way we lead or how we talk to God about that must be very, is, is skewed in a certain direction, isn't it? For one, for good or uh, for ill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as I've thought about this, and I've taken quite a lot of time to think about it, um, I've tried to ask myself, well, where has this come from? Because I've, it's not something that I actually see in the Bible. Um, and people talk about the Reformation, um, and, you know, in, in many ways, it, it brought us back to the Bible. But some of the Reformers um, had very strange ideas that I would never think as being biblical. So, um, for my sins, I have delved into John Calvin's Institutes of Religion. Um, and you'll find in Book 3, Chapter 22, Section 7, just in case anybody doubts, that the following, God not only foresaw the fall of the first man and in him the ruin of his posterity, but also at his own pleasure arranged it. Help. God ordained the fall? Really? Um, but if you have a theology which flows from that sort of root, how are you going to preach the love of Christ? It, it amazes me. I just don't know. Well, I think you're, well, you're, you're, you're obviously <laughs> touching, on, <laughs> touching on a big issue, which it is, to some degree, Calvinism is... Uh, the foundation certainly of, of the Church of England's 
Book of Common Prayer. That was, you know, the Puritans, the Reformers were there. (laughs) And and certainly to some extent evangelicalism, of course, there is varying... Varying views on these issues amongst evangelicals. So, but but yeah, you know, I, mean, I think asking that question is important, isn't it? It is. I mean, and evangelicalism is is a is a broad church, and I'm not here to either preach particular interpretation of free will or anything else. What I'm doing is just making the point that our worldview governs the way in which we behave. Our worldview governs the way in which we pray. Our worldview governs the way in which we expect God God to move. Um, And if we don't recognise that that is going on, then we don't have sufficient self-awareness. Now, a lot of my time at the moment is spent supporting church leaders. Some of them are hyper-Calvinists, some of them are from the opposite wing. Um, But we manage to work together, and in one case in particular, um, we don't discuss theology, we just recognise that we want to know God better, and my role is to be a friend and a prayer supporter, and we, we share a love of God. Um, but in other situations, and in, in personal and pastoral situations, and how we evaluate what is going on around us, our worldview is important. And our ability to be self-aware is fundamentally important to the way in which we lead. Um, and so I'm, I'm raising a big issue to raise the issue of self-awareness and I'm not sure that we're actually always as aware of ourselves and our worldview as we need to be. No, thank you. Well, I, that's going to be a help, very helpful perspective to, to grapple with. We're, we're, we'll be coming out to a break in a few minutes, uh, Stephen, but um, we talked a little bit beforehand about what we might discuss today and um, um, you, you were talking about the, you know, so, so many leaders are just keeping the system going and never really questioning what they're about. Could you say a few things about that? Yeah, um, I mean, I spent quite a large chunk of this morning with a with a church leader via Zoom, um, and we were praying over various bits and pieces and just talking about uh, where the church is going. And I asked him to imagine that his leadership team, which is very diverse, had met in the street discovered that each other was Christians um, and then said, well, shall we meet? And the question then is, why would you meet? If church is people gathered together, Ecclesia, why do do we meet? And it's that, that sense of, uh, why are we doing what we're doing? Um, the, the answer to the why question then leads to, OK, if we want to uh, see that happen, how might that come about? And my concern is that a lot of the uh, things that we do in church and in other places is about keeping the wheels turning rather than actually saying um, we're doing this because. Sure. Yeah, too too often we we just we're going through the motions in a sense. We're we're meeting because we met last week. And we've yes. it's gonna we're gonna meet next week, you know. <laughs> and we have an organist because we sing hymns. <laughs> yes, we, right. Well, most some churches might still, but or we have a guitarist because we sing yeah. hymns, and we sing hymns. Well, why do we sing what we're singing? 
Um, now, I am a great fan of Christian music. Um, I, I find myself able to soak in the presence of God by listening to music. So I am, I'm not anti-singing and I wouldn't want to be misunderstood there. But a question of you know, why so much of the, the meeting time in the sorts of churches that I've been part of for a long period of time taken up with singing? Yeah. Why is that the balance of what we do? Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Stephen Maxted. Uh, Stephen's currently the Executive Director of the Message Works Trust. We're looking at some basic questions about what is Christian leadership and what are we doing? We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Stephen Maxted, the Executive Director of the Message Church Trust. He's uh, also acts as a consultant to a wide range of charities and Christian organisations. Uh, he served in Christian leadership, including as a pastor, and um, was responsible for the management of Spring Harvest, 1980-85. We were talking before the break a little bit about some of the basic questions about Christian leadership, what we're really doing, and uh, how our worldview uh, really does govern, to some extent, uh, the way in which we would even choose to leave and what we expect to be doing when we're leading. And we were talking before the break particularly about the the whole, uh, you know, what is it we do when we meet at all as, as, as churches? What are the, some of the key key questions? Uh, Stephen, you, you believe there's a difference between strategy and tactics. And I, when you first said that to me, I was, I thought, hang on, I, I'm sure he's right, but I'm not quite sure what he means. So <laughs> perhaps you could, uh, could explore that with us. Yeah, just before I do... Um... The other challenge in leadership is that we say we believe one thing and operate from a different base. Um, so, you know, we were talking about um, a blueprint worldview and a theology that is governed by that. But very few of us um, in our everyday lives actually live that way. Um, we may use that in our pastoral work. You know, God knows best, etc. But day to day, that's not how we live. And one of the other concerns I have about is, is this uh, disconnection. But back to the difference between strategy and tactics. Um, what is my strategic objective? What do I want to achieve versus how am I going to achieve it? So the how is the tactics, the objective strategic objective um, is is there as the objective. Now, um, when I'm doing workshops for leaders about this, I think about the difference between mission statement, vision, uh, objectives, tactics, and it's, it's worth thinking about. And in one sense, it actually doesn't matter whether you call something a strategy or a tactic. Um, what is important is that you don't confuse the two. Um, mm. A lot of my life has been involved in um, being alongside people who are teachers. My daughter has been a teacher. My wife has been um, head teacher of a primary school. Teachers, um, lovely people, I wouldn't want to be without teachers, um, often talk about strategies for this and strategies for that. And that is valid so long as you recognise that you're talking about the how I'm going to do this rather than the objective. So it's, it's making sure that we understand what we're talking about and that there is a difference between the two. And sometimes it's been my experience that in Christian organisations, people have talked about things, the how they're going to do it, as though they were the objective and not actually recognised that the how is not 
the end result. Right. And, and that's uh, obviously important because um, there's a pro- appropriate prayer and thinking needs to go into strategy. Yes. Yes. Um, so before the break, we were we were talking about the church leader or the conversation I was having with the church leader this morning. Imagine you are meeting a group of people for the first time in the street. You discover your believers. You say, shall we meet? And somebody says, well, why would we meet? What is the objective of our coming together? Um, is there a clear answer for that? Because... In life, it is valid just to socialise. And you recognise that you sit down, you have a meal together, and and you socialise. Um, that's fine. But is there another objective? If there is another objective, the next time you get together, you might uh, do it differently. So what we do, the way in which we do things, um, should flow out, in my view, from what we are trying to achieve. Um, uh, and certainly one of the things, Stephen, so moving on to another theme, I think would be worth exploring with you. One of the things that we do, obviously, as Christians is, is, is seek to gather to, uh, in, the, in quotes, to become like Jesus. That is, most, most mission statements of most churches have some kind of focus upon godliness, discipleship, uh, holiness or whatever. Um, but I was fascinated with your your insights into this as you've been exploring this over the years. Okay, um, discipleship um, is a is an important thing that I, I think that many churches um, are not grappling with, um, and. There is a book that I read and enjoyed called Imagine Church, written by somebody that we both know, Neil Hudson. Um, And he examines in that book um, the contract that exists between um, members of a congregation and a pastor. And he has a, a very telling little video where he says, you know, people leaving the church will often say, um, and you didn't care for me as they go out of the door. He said he's never had anybody say, and you didn't develop me. Um, so how is it that as we gather together, we are actually encouraging one another so that, to quote Ephesians, that which every, through that which every joint supplies, we are actually growing up into the likeness of Christ? Um, and I, again, just end up scratching my head saying, OK, how are we growing up? Um, where are we developing our giftings? How are we encouraging one another? Um, And it would be my observation that it's actually very difficult to take risks within the church. As a, you know, if I if I preach and I get it wrong, I may probably not be asked to preach again, and somebody may be thinking, well, we can't have him back because, um, rather than, well, although he made a mess of that, there were insights that he was struggling to find. Let's see how we can develop that gifting in him. And I don't think that our emphasis is on development. It's, it tends to be on safety. We're risk averse. But if we're going to grow, we've got, we've got to take risks. Yeah. 
Yes, you wouldn't say to a toddler, oh, he's, he's just fallen over. He's obviously, walking's obviously not for him. <laughs> you know. No, but I do sense that that's some of the way in which the church operates. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's, it's fascinating stuff, um, Stephen. Sadly, time is, is kind of defeating us. We've got uh, five minutes or so to, to explore things. Um, uh, I mean, uh, maybe just, just asking the question, you, you know, you've been going... F- uh, in all sorts of Christian ministries, you've been in pastoral ministry and church leadership, and and parachurch work, etc. What's kept you buoyant over the years? That's a very difficult question. A very good wife, <laughs> <laughs> um, a sense of finding God in things, yeah. um, a sense of being able to help people, uh, light bulb moments. Um, you know, I, I enjoy asking questions. Um, I enjoy helping people um, think about the things that they're facing. Now, sometimes those are difficult challenges, but I would, I would say, actually, that in many ways it's the fact that I'm, I'm not on my own, that I've, not, I've been part of a team. Even if that team has just been me and my wife, at other times it's, it's been a bigger team. Um, I don't function well by myself. Uh, working with and alongside people, I think, is very important. And so I'm always looking for where God is giving life to relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the buoyancy that comes out of being in relationship. Yeah. Uh, and I, I hadn't uh, teed you up for this particular question, but just off the top of your head, it books and... And, and thinkers that have helped you along the way, Stephen? Um, yeah, in all sorts of different ways. Um, modern thinkers that are helping me, Peter Enns, um, about the nature of scripture. Um, Greg Boyd, in terms of uh, spiritual warfare, theodicy. Um, John Ortberg, soul keeping. Dallas Willard. Um, there's there's quite a long list. Um, Tom Wright, um, with surprised by hope, just that sense of you know what is the gospel? The day uh, God became king, um, another Tom Wright book. So those you know those those would be people that I have read and keep in some senses coming back to who found um, their insight into the scripture. Um, Peter Enns, actually, how do I handle the Bible, inspiration and incarnation um, has been an important book. Um, it's a controversial book, but it's an important one. Greg Boyd is controversial, but he's an important thinker. Tom Wright has been um, a controversial thinker in some ways, but absolutely fabulous. And I enjoy getting to grips with what he's got to say and thinking things through. Splendid. Um, and as, just as we close, Stephen, I, I, I introduced you as the Executive Director of the Message Works Trust, but we haven't had a chance to explore particularly what the Trust does. And I, in a few moments as we close, um, you'd like to sh- share a little bit about what you do? Yeah, I mean, currently we're actually... Sp- I am spending time, because the team has reduced quite a lot to just me and the trustees at the moment, spending time supporting leaders in churches and in Christian organisations um, as a sort of pastor of pastors. The work that we used to do um, in terms of um, 
the uh, sort of fundraising, supporter recruitment things um, have moved right into the background and the work of supporting leaders has come to the foreground. And that happened because some years ago I realised that so many leaders were not having an opportunity to think things through and were subject to the tyranny of the immediate. And that came because I travelled from London to the north of England uh, for a consultancy meeting and one of the leaders that I was going to meet sat down and said to me, Stephen, I'm sorry, I haven't been able to do anything that we agreed on last month because, and then talked to me about all the um, immediate things that had pushed in and uh, pushed out the strategically important stuff. And I thought to myself, help, if we're going to be effective in the um, support of recruitment, I've actually got to be able to get alongside and help support the leaders in thinking through the strategic stuff and not just the immediate, um, which can so easily push the important out of the way. Well, that's a, a fabulous way to finish. Uh, thank you so much for what you shared. Thanks, Andy, for asking me. Uh, so that's Stephen Maxted, uh, Executive Director of the Message Works Trust. Uh, do, as I say, log on to Premier's website and listen to archived versions of the Leisure File. Look forward to your company again next Sunday at four. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.